Welcome to the Field Crop Diseases Victoria podcast, brought to you by Agriculture Victoria. In this episode, the researchers will reflect on 2020 and look forward to 2021. Today we are joined by Grant Holloway, Senior Plant Pathologist, with 28 years experience conducting, managing and communicating research in the Australian grains industry. Thank you for joining us, Grant. Hi, Gemma, and hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Working with Grant, we have Josh Fanning, who leads the Pulse Pathology team at Agriculture Victoria with over 10 years' experience. Thanks for being here, Josh. Thanks, Gemma. It's good to be here. And we also have Steve Markroft, Australia's leading black leg disease expert. Steve has over 25 years' experience working with canola diseases and leads Markroft Grains Pathology. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Gemma. Welcome to 2021. Josh, was there any disease that took you by surprise in 2020? Personally, diseases don't take us by surprise. We see the diseases every year. It's just which disease is going to be of greater significance in each season. And that's very seasonally dependent, as well as what crops are being grown locally um, or in each particular paddock and what regimes or um, disease management plans different growers have in place. So in 2020, the area of concern that I saw was more around chocolate spot and botrytis grey mould. So chocolate spot in faber beans and botrytis grey mould in vetch and lentils. And we saw that with that greater rainfall last year and an environment that was conducive to those diseases, we saw growers get caught off guard. And basically that those diseases, disease epidemics were created in paddocks or established in paddocks. And we saw some significant losses due to those diseases. It was important to note that even though we didn't have higher temperatures um, or optimum temperatures for these diseases, it is sort of like a bell curve. So even though we have lower temperatures than normal, we're still getting those disease, diseases develop in paddocks just at a slower rate. So where people were expecting warmer weather when the diseases take off, the diseases were still there in the paddock and people weren't putting in control methods for those diseases. And so they still developed across paddocks. And then in some areas we did get those optimum environments and it did take off or others just got caught off guard because that disease got severe over time, but at a slower rate and they weren't expecting it to come in. And that's why we saw some yield losses. So it's just important to note that diseases do develop at a range of temperatures. It's just often we talk about the optimum conditions to have a really conducive disease epidemic. With regards to cereals, Grant, what was 2020 like? During 2020, there were a whole range of diseases in cereal crops, and that was to be expected with the favourable conditions that we had during uh, the season. But the one that was different to recent years was the uh, levels of strike rust right across the district in our wheat crops. We've been dealing with strike rust in wheat crops for quite a number of years, but for the recent in recent times, strike rust has been only occurring very late in the season. Whereas in contrast, during 2020, it came in a fair bit earlier than recent years. And for some, it's been many years since they've been dealing with strike rust. Some of the reasons for that increased level of strike rust last year was carryover of the rust on our volunteers over the summer. Also, the epidemic started quite early in northern Australia where there was significant summer rains and volunteers growing early and some early planted crops that got early infection 
which provides inoculum across large areas. The other thing is, is the occurrence of a, some, a new pathotype, which was a new introduction to, into Australia in the last couple of years, that has reduced the level of resistance in some important varieties. So when we bring together uh, carryover of the inoculum, new pathotype rendering some previously resistant varieties more susceptible and ideal conditions during the growing season that resulted in higher levels of strike rust and the need for growers to get out and apply timely applications of fungicides. In some of the research that we did within Agriculture Victoria at Horsham last year, we showed that if strike rust wasn't controlled in the more susceptible varieties, yield loss range from 25 to 50% last year. Again, highlighting the need to be proactive in our disease management. Given the rainfall in 2020, Steve, how did canola fare? 2020, there was um, plenty of disease around canola, which as we'd expect, being a good rainfall year. Um, however, it probably wasn't as severe as people thought it might have got since we had dry periods in the middle of winter, etc. Um, so the diseases probably really didn't get away like um, there was a lot of concern they might. So black league really did what we expected it to do. There was certainly yield loss around if people didn't control it well, and certainly in our experiments, um, with different fungicides, et cetera, we picked up some very significant yield improvements on more susceptible cultivars, et cetera. So it was from a black league perspective, if it was managed well, there was no real issues. But other than that, there could have been some yield loss. But I guess 2020 was a year where we did see other diseases popping up occasionally. So we did see sclerotinia, alternaria, powdery mildew, and we also saw pot infection of black leg on canola as well. And these were all quite regionally specific. So most cases we didn't see them widespread, but in certain regions we'd see quite a bit of these diseases. For instance, in the Western District of Victoria, we saw a lot of alternaria turn up late in the pods. And that was really a result of a longer, wetter season they had down there. And we saw that that alternaria probably cost quite a bit of yield loss. In fact, some of our experiments at Lake Bolac probably suggested around a 20% return um, from that Alton area loss. Again, with powdery mildew, we don't have a lot of information about powdery mildew, but it seems to be coming more prolific over time um, and more widespread, and 2020 was no exception for that. Um, sclerotinia, again, we saw a little bit around the place, but not too serious. And as I said, pot infection of black leg, unfortunately, did rear its head in a couple of spots, but that's really dependent on rainfall post-flowering. So. So as a summary, you know, Blackleg did what we expected to do and other diseases um, just popped up regionally specifically. Um, something to look out for, I guess. Looking ahead to 2021, what should growers and agronomists be looking out for? So with um, the disease of canola, the green bridges generally are a problem. With most of our diseases, they're not something that we consider. They're not going to influence the amount of Blackleg or sclerotinia, for instance, because they're being more stubble-borne diseases. Um, not being obligate on living plants. However, like I was just reminded, um, viruses can be an issue. So if we do get a year where we have a green bridge and viruses or more importantly, aphid populations build up in those um, populations and then those aphids are there when our um, crops are germinating, yet aphids can move onto the seedlings and um, cause those virus issues. You know, I know we saw that occur in 2014, but haven't had too many issues since then. Um, and the main result of that was that um, things, you know, early um, insecticide treatments were very effective at controlling those viruses. So if viruses are present from a green bridge, that's certainly something which um, people should be getting more information on. 
But from our other diseases, pre-sowing, the only really disease I think we need to be concentrating on is blackleg. If we control blackleg well, it really doesn't cause us too many problems. We've got lots of um, tools in the kit at the moment to control blackleg, but if we get it wrong, it can cause a lot of yield loss, which I'm sure most agronomists are aware of. So pre-sowing, the real things are cultivar choice, making sure they choose a cultivar with a good stable blackleg resistance, and then looking at seed treatments, fungicide on the fertiliser, etc. And then really about where they place their canola crop to try to, if they can, get some separation between this year's crop and last year's canola stubble. And the real advantage of that is if you can do that, you're obviously much less reliant on fungicides and much, much less likely to sort of break the resistance in those fungicides or break the resistance in our cultivars. So they're the main things I'd be considering, potentially um, getting information on viruses if aphids are present and thinking about where they place their crop and which cultivar they grow for blackleg control. With canola, the, the pre-season is actually really about placing and planting your crop and then from that you'll be able to determine what disease pressure your crop's going to be under. So if you're, you know, you can have a 500 metre isolation from canola stubble, etc. and got a good resistance cultivar, you know your crop's going to be under fairly low disease pressure for the year and you probably won't require much fungicide work. But however, if you're already pushing the envelope and growing high intensive canola in a high rainfall environment, then you will already know that your disease pressure can grow up during the year and then you're actually going to get out and do that scouting and um, you know, fungicide application. So it's just, I guess, trying to put your crop on the page so you sort of know where it's going to fit during the year and then what you may may not have to do during the year. Grant, in your opinion, what can growers and agronomists be doing? I think it's really important that growers evaluate the risk associated with each of their cereal crops based on the location that they're farming, uh, the diseases that they know are important in the area, and look at the individual risk within each paddock. So some of the things they need to look at is how much risk there's likely to be from a green bridge in terms of rust, uh, viruses and mildews. And with the summer rain that we've had, we're going to expect a fair bit of carryover of those diseases on volunteers. So those types of diseases are going to be important across all cereals. The other one to look at is which paddock uh, they're planting into and understanding the paddock history. So if there's, yeah, if we use wheat as an example, if there's a history of wheat in that paddock and there's stubble there that's carrying disease, there is more likely to be risks with uh, stubble-borne diseases in that paddock and equally soil-borne diseases as well. So some of the things that farmers can do to identify those risks, one is understanding how much of a green bridge there is in the environment. The next is you know, what stubble is present in that paddock. So looking at the paddock history, and then they can also look at taking a soil test using the Predictor B technology by contacting their agronomist, doing a soil test, which will identify the risk associated with a whole range of uh, cereal soil-borne pathogens, including crown rot, and increasingly some of the important stubble-borne diseases that cause foliar disease in our cereal crops as well. The other thing that influences risk quite a bit in addition to our inoculum sources is the varieties that have been grown. So it's really important that each year farmers review their varieties in terms of their disease reactions by going to the latest copy of the Victorian Cereal Disease Guide. And if they're growing varieties that are highly susceptible to diseases that are important in their area, they need to carefully look at paddock selection and 
uh, equally uh, what management plans around fungicides they're going to have uh, for controlling disease in the susceptible varieties this year. One of the things for people to think about is once they've identified the risks that uh, they have in their paddock is looking at what uh, pre-planting or at sowing treatments they can use in terms of uh, fertiliser treatments or seed treatments with fungicides to help suppress any diseases uh, that may be important in that paddock. And the other one to always remember is the importance of using a seed treatment for the control of bugs and smuts. These diseases are very cheap to control. The seed treatments are very effective if they're applied every year and with good coverage. But we have to keep in mind that even though we don't see bunt very often, because we're using seed treatments every year, that if we don't, and these diseases take hold in the paddock, they can make grain unsaleable. Josh, is there anything you'd like to add? For pulses, it's very similar to the other crops that have been discussed. And I haven't got too much more to add on that. What I would suggest is similar to previous seasons. It's about having a plan in place um, for the current season and enacting that plan um, once you know how the season's looking and what you've got in each paddock. Um, it's really thinking about your stubble load as others have talked about and think about what's happening or what has happened in previous seasons. So making sure that that stubble has broken down. So if you're in a drier environment, even though you may have had a chickpea crop or a lentil crop three years ago with disease, it's making sure that stubble is no longer there in that paddock when you go back into it with that crop again. Um, because that's going to increase your risk. In terms of pulses pre-sowing, the main thing people can think about is their variety choices, which has been mentioned in other crops. But what's important with pulses is we know a lot of our varieties are quite susceptible to numerous diseases. There is limited resistance for some diseases um, in some crops in pulses. So even though we talk about, say, I'll use chickpea asikaida as an example, that most varieties are susceptible, just swapping to that MS variety um, actually makes a significant amount of difference to your control and the outcome at the end of the season. So even that one resistance class is going to make a large difference. The other point to make, apart from variety choice, is about fungicides. Last year, I heard a number of people get caught out without enough fungicides. They didn't have a plan in place for accessing more fungicides later in the season. Um, this is the time to think about what, your, what crops you're planting and how many fungicides that you're going to potentially need and having a plan in place depending on which way the season ends up going. Um, it's not about pre-purchasing everything now. It's just about having that plan in place and knowing what fungicides you're going to need if what situation develops in the crops that you're growing. What tools are out there to help growers and agronomists? So the two main tools that we've got for pulses are probably the Agriculture Victoria Disease Guide. Um, that has all the latest ratings in it and that gets released after those ratings are all verified and completed. So that has um, all the latest ratings for the 2021 season based on last year's and all the previous data. So it's really important to check those latest resistance ratings for all our pulse crops. So the second place that we can look, um, or second tool for pulses is the Pulse Australia website. And it's a really good summary of what's on the APVMA website a lot of the time um, and simplifies a lot of our permits and registrations. Um, so the APVMA is the definitive source for a lot of these registrations um, and permits for fungicides that we can use on pulses. But the Pulse Australia website basically summarises that in an easy to use fashion. 
Um, there's also some good management guides for growing pulses on the Pulse Australia website. So a couple of things that uh, growers and agronomists should be looking at in terms of useful resources for planning disease management and in-crop management is the Agriculture Victoria Serial Disease Guide, which will be released in February. That, that will provide growers with the latest ratings for all the important cereal varieties. Then in crop, we have a relatively new tool, the Stripegrass WM app, and this is, app is available for use on iPads and tablets. And we did some evaluation of this app in the field last year and found that its uh, predictions of outcomes from strike rust were very good. And we view this as a very useful tool to help industry making decisions around strike, must, strike rust management in crop. Yeah, so for Blackleg, we produce two guides. We've got the Blackleg Management Guide, which is updated twice every year. Um, so that'll be coming out in March and that's got all the latest um, blackleg ratings. It's important that growers do get the, um, the current one, so there'll be the 2021 version, because the blackleg is a pathogen that's changing all the time. So um, consequently, they'll overcome resistance genes and the cultivars, and the blackleg ratings of those cultivars can change. Um, when they change, they generally always go down. So it's um, important that growers have the latest blackleg ratings, um, and that's really the main defense for blackleg. You know, the genetic resistance that the seed companies develop is extremely good um, and given if you're growing a good cultivar you really don't have to do a lot else really so that blackleg management guide becomes critically important that also now has all the different fungicide seed treatments on it so you can actually see how much of a boost you'll get when you apply different fungicides on the seed and you can obviously purchase the seed with them already fungicides already on it and it also has the different blackleg resistance groups which is the major gene resistance. So you'll know if you've got a cultivar which over the last few years has um, increased disease severity and you want to change cultivars, you can do so without inadvertently growing exactly the same resistance. We know that can help a lot as well. So the management guide is pretty crucial that everyone gets a copy of that. The other one is the Blackleg CM app, which we've developed with GRDC and DPIRD over the last few years. And that really goes through all the different scenarios that you can do to control disease and then gives you an idea on um, how much disease you'll get in any of those different interactions. So one of the issues with disease control is there's a whole range of different things you can do, but they're all totally interrelated. So therefore, it's hard to predict just changing one management practices, practice how that'll actually affect the, the yield outcome. So that's what the app attempts to do. It tries to link all those things together. The nice thing with the app too is that you can just run through it and tick off everything, fill out all the parameters for your crop, and then you know that you've actually taken everything into account. You haven't forgotten about the stubble or forgotten about the seed treatment or forgotten about the resistance group or whatever. It's all there listed for you, so you can take those things into account. So really, they're the two main tools that I'd consider. Later, as we get into the season, in the spring, we've also got the Sclerotinia CM app. And that really um, is designed to be used at that early flowering period. And you can then determine whether your crop at that time of the year is susceptible or not, um, and then make those fungicide decisions with that app. What advice do you have for growers and agronomists for 2021? So my key points for 2021 season is knowing your region and the diseases of significance, and then ensuring you've got the latest resistance ratings for that um, or for the varieties you are growing for 2021. 
um, and then having a plan in place to manage those varieties for disease. Yeah, my advice for 2021 is just get out into your crops and know how much disease is occurring at key growth stages and then make decisions at that time. So we know that every season, every region is going to be different for whatever reason. And if you're out in your paddock and you know what to look for and when to look, it goes a long way to you know, making a successful outcome. For 2021, I think it's important to understand the risk in your environment and that may be within the paddock that you're planting in, and also the risk posed by inoculum carryover in the district. Reviewing varieties to understand the risk posed by your variety choice, and then having a fungicide management plan that you implement based on monitoring of crops for disease during the season. We greatly appreciate the time our researchers have taken to provide their insight today. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thanks, Gemma, and let's hope this is a ripper of a year. Thanks, Gemma. Good luck for everyone with the 2021 season. No worries at all. Thanks. See you, everyone. For more information, check out the Field Crop Diseases Victoria website at extensionoz.com.au forward slash fieldcropdiseasevic. You can find the Cereal and Pulse Disease Guides on the Agriculture Victoria website. The Canola Blackleg Guides can be found on the GRDC website. Thank you for listening. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm.